0: You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Today we're starting a brand new series on prayer and around here, um, We just like to call our teaching series what it is, um, just so it's easy. (laughs) It's called prayer. Uh, There's no fancy name, okay? Prayer. Uh, Also, it makes it easy if someone needs to go back someday and find it on the podcast or on our YouTube channel. Easy to find, prayer. Um, Today we're talking about why do we pray. You know, earlier as I've been praying for the past few weeks, I've been praying over this series, and as I've been preparing on Tuesday, I was actually going in a little bit of a different direction. But then on Thursday, as I continued praying about it, God revealed to me a new direction that we needed to take, and it was actually just a step back, and it was actually just to ask this question, why pray? Right? Like, if God's in control, God's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he knows the future, he knows the past, he's all-knowing, why do we pray? You ever asked that question, wondered? I do, because, I mean, I grew up in church, right? Like, you're supposed to pray, but why pray? And as I was preparing for this, I went through a, um, I was listening to an event um, a few weeks ago, and they were, this interviewer was interviewing, it was Billy Graham's grandson, if I think I got that correct. And he remembered that he was giving this interview and he said, hey, I asked my, my grandfather, Billy Graham, I asked him one time, Papa, if you could go back and change anything about your life, what would you change? Right? Billy Graham preached to millions. And Billy Graham looks back at his grandson and he looks at him and he says, I would preach less and I would pray more. Preach less. And pray more. Now, as I was listening to this, I was actually mowing the yard, and it brought me to a complete stop. <laughs> I was had my earbuds, and I was like, "If Billy Graham, of all people, right, who preached to 1000000s brought—I mean, hundreds of thousands of people—you watch these old crusades—they're still on TV today—hundreds, like thousands of people running to the altar to see- receive Jesus—I would preach less and I would pray more. He understood something that was in the spiritual realm. That it wasn't just a physical battle taking place, but that he had to dive into and do war in the, phys- or in the spiritual in order to really, he could really make an impact if he would lean in to that truth. And What I want us to realize today is that prayer is not a last resort, and it can be easy to be our last resort. It should be our first line of defense, right? Well, we've tried everything else. Let's pray. Like, well, everyone said this in our lives. Well, let's, let's call somebody in here that we know is a good prayer warrior, and let's pray about it. Prayer should be our first response. It's not our last resort. And God just reminded me of this, that in 2020, many, I think many Christians have replaced praying with complaining. I've had two weeks off, okay, so bear with me here. I'm a little fired up. They've replaced praying with complaining. How easy that can be to do. Been there. I've had those moments, right? Right? It can be easy. Many people gripe or complain about their situation, but are you praying as much as you're complaining, right? Like it's easy to complain about the coronavirus and having to wear masks and all this stuff going on, but am I praying about it? Am I praying that God will move? Am I praying that something will take place, that something will change, right? It's easy to complain about my government officials, but am I praying as much as I'm complaining Man, that was a heart check for me. God just dropped that as in, in the middle of study. And I was just like, man, why though? God, why is that such an important thing to grasp? Here's why. Complaining ruins my testimony. Complaining ruins my testimony. Why? Because the world complains. That's what the world does. They have no solution. They have no answer. So what's the only answer? Well, I'm just going to come over here and I'm just going to badmouth that person because I don't agree with them. What else can I do besides complain? It ruins my testimony. But what does prayer do? Prayer strengthens it because God gets the glory for answered prayer. Because when God moves, I have no other, I can't point to myself. I can only say, look what God did when we prayed. But if, what's the first thing? I got to pray. I have to pray. Prayer changes things. So why pray? The first thing is this. And we have to realize if you're taking notes, you can fill in the blank. First, first one is this. Why pray? Prayer strengthens our relationship with God. It strengthens our relationship with God. This may seem elementary, and a lot of what I'll say today may seem elementary, but I promise you, if we do these things, remember these things, that God will drastically change not just your prayer life, but your intimacy level with him. It will drastically change. It'll drastically change. Why? Because communication is the key to any healthy, strong relationship, right? Show me a strong marriage, and I'm going to show you a couple that communicates Regularly, I'm going to show you a couple that says, hey, I love you regularly. I'm going to show you a couple that says, hey, I'm sorry regularly. Communication is the key. It's the key to a strong relationship. Show me a mature believer, and I'll show you someone who prays continually. You know, as I've been preparing for this, I read a few um, excerpts from a book. It's called Prayer by uh, Timothy Keller, and in there, t- uh, Timothy Keller's wife actually gives this example of the importance of prayer when it comes to relationships. She uses this example, and I love this. Let me read it. She says, "This. Imagine you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine, a pill." every night before going to sleep. Imagine that you were told that you could never miss. If you missed it, you would die. Would you forget? Would you just not get around to it some nights? No. It would be so crucial that you wouldn't forget and you would never miss. Friends, this is the, and after today, I hope you see this, this is the weight of the importance of our prayer life with god it is so crucial if i miss not just my life but it could be life or death for someone life or death for someone maybe my family maybe somebody i know if i miss if god puts a burden on my heart to pray and i say ah i don't didn't get around to it a burden Look what Jesus did. Even Jesus understood the importance of strengthening his relationship with God. In Luke 5, chapter, or verse 16, he says, it says, but Jesus, look at this, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus, right? God with flesh and bone on here. If he understood this, how much more is it, is it important for us to do, right? So I read this verse, and I said, okay, let's look at some examples. It says he often, but do we see that? In the Gospels, Let me give you a few examples. These are just shotgun. They're not in your notes. In Luke chapter 4, after Jesus' baptism, before beginning his public ministry, what did he do? He went out and he did 40 days of prayer and fasting in the wilderness. In Mark 6, Jesus sends out his disciples to do ministry. And when they return, after doing ministry, what did he do? He discipled them and he said, hey, come with me to a lonely place. Let's pray together. You need to get alone with God and pray. In Matthew 14, Jesus receives the news of John the Baptist being beheaded. He's dead. What was his response? I need to get alone with my father and pray. In Luke 6, it says he prayed alone all night before choosing his disciples that he would name apostles. Before a big decision. In John chapter 6, he feeds the 5,000, right? The most, one of the most popular, um, well-known miracles in all the gospels, in all of them. Jesus feeds the 5,000 people. What's his first response? Send his disciples over there. I'm going to the mountain to pray alone. In Luke 22, we know this one, what? He prayed all night before he was betrayed and taken to the cross. Jesus, what was his response? When he got good news, his disciples came back, but we've been doing ministry, man, God's been working. When he got bad news, hey, one of your dearest friends has been beheaded. What was his response? In good, bad, neutral, I need to get alone and pray. I need to get alone and pray. Does that mean that Jesus locked himself away and nobody never saw him and he was just always praying for eight hours? And No. That's not our excuse, right? I can't, I'm not telling you to quit your job. I've got to pray for eight hours a day and that's my job. No. I mean, I'm not telling you to do that. If God tells you, that's one thing. But I would get some spiritual advice on that. Let's move on. Um, prayer strengthens our relationship with God. I have to have it. It's a line of communication. Number two is this. Prayer opens the door for God to move. It opens the door for God to move. Let me give you one last thing with, with prayer strengthening. It strengthens our relationship with God. It also strengthens our relationship with each other. Statistically, over 50% of Christian marriages will end in, in, end in divorce. For couples that pray together, less than 1% end in divorce. Prayer. Prayer. Strengthens not our relationship just with God, but with each other. Prayer. Let's go on. Prayer opens the door for God to move. Many times I just say, man, God's he's all-knowing, right? I fall into that trap of he's all-knowing, he already knows. You know, if it's God's will, I'll get that job. If it's God's will, this will happen in my life. And it can be so easy for us just to say, if it's God's will, and we stand over here and do nothing, But if I can just show us insight into the spiritual realm, many times the Holy Spirit's on the other side standing saying, waiting for you to move. Like, you go, and I go with you. If you'll move, I'll move. If you'll ask, I'll go. Let me show you what I mean. In Matthew 6, 8, Jesus says, for your father, he knows the things you have need of, look at this, before you ask him. Yeah, he knows, but what's our part? You ask I need to ask. Before you ask, look at James 4.2. It says, you don't have what you want, I love James, because you don't ask God for it. Whoops. <laughs> I've been waiting for God to move, and God's been waiting for me to move. If I'll step in faith, ask in faith, not just crazy whatever I want, God, make me, make me seven foot, and so I can, I can wake up tomorrow and I can go try out and be a championship basketball player, that's not going to happen, Right? But if I ask according to his will, which is his word, he will move. He will move. Look at this one in John 14, 13 through 14. Jesus says, you can ask for anything in my name. Everyone say anything. Say it like you mean anything. In my name, and I will do it. Why? So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Remember what I said earlier? Complaining ruins my testimony. Prayer strengthens it. Why? Because when prayer is answered, God is glorified. He wants to answer prayer. he's, He's waiting to answer prayer. And I love Jesus, right? He's just made this, right, ask anything in my name. And everyone's like, well, except if it's 2020 and, like, you know, we're not really around Jesus physically. What did Jesus say? He clarifies at the very end. He says, yes, for real, right? Ask me for anything in my name. I will do it. Come on. What, have I, what I've learned over the years is this, that specific requests bring specific answers. If I want God to move, I need to make a list. Me and Leslie been believing for a house for years, believing for a house that we could purchase and own. What is the first thing we did? Let's make a list. What do we need in this house? What do we want in this house? What would be awesome? We don't need it, but it would be really cool to have. We made a list. And guess what? We're in the process of getting a house right now that checks uh, everything off of that list. Everything that we need that we had on there. Why? Specific requests. Specific. Let's continue. This is the one I really want us to see today. Number three is this. Prayer activates our authority. Prayer activates our authority. Now a few weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago, we talked about our, how, do we, how do we use our authority in prayer. But here's what I want us to see. I want us to shine a little bit of a different light on our position of authority in prayer and use a little bit of a different example from a different part of Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6, let me read this and listen to this closely. For he, God, raised us from the dead along with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Remember that, or heavenly places, because we are united with Christ. Stop here for a second. That's a little, what, what's going on here? Physically, we're here, right? I can see you, you can see me. We can hug, we can high five, whatever. Spiritually, we have the physical realm, we have the spiritual realm, heavenly places. It's the place that we can't see right now. Spiritually, we are seated in a position of authority with Jesus in the heavenly realms. Physically, I'm here, but spiritually, yes, I'm here, but I'm also seated with Christ. Let me break this down a little bit more here. Heavenly places is the Greek, that Greek word or those two Greek words um, refers to the invisible realm that surrounds our present daily situations, right? It's the arena or sphere of spiritual action and activity. Many times we get caught up saying, well, this is the real reality, right? Whatever's happening here, this diagnosis, this bill, whatever's happening today, this is reality, right? I can touch it. But what was before this reality? The spiritual realm, heavenly places. From there, God created. So what's the real reality? Heavenly places. It came first. It created this reality. So we're going to see why prayer is important because there's a lot going on in the Heavenly places, the spiritual realm, that we need to address and we have the authority to address. In Christ, we have a seat of closeness with God and we're seat in a seat of authority and dominion over this earth. We have authority. Now, so this verse says that we're seated with Him in heavenly places, right? In the book of Ephesians, we're going to back up a chapter. Where is Jesus really seated at? In Ephesians 1. Starting in verse 20, Ephesians 1.20, it says this, When he, God, raised him, Jesus, from the dead, and he seated him at his right hand, here it is in, again, in the heavenly places. Okay? In the heavenly places. What does that mean? We're seated at the right hand, or Jesus is seated at the right hand in the heavenly places. He breaks it down. Look at this. Look at this. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. First thing is this principality, might, power, dominion. Those are all terms used for ruling authorities in both the visible and invisible realms. You'll see it time and time again throughout the New Testament whenever those words are used, talking about not just physically, but most importantly, spiritually. The New Testament, over and over, it reveals that there is a hierarchy of evil powers who manipulate human behavior to advance satanic strategies. Okay? It's not just some dumb leader somewhere making bad decisions that's causing destruction. More often than not, it is spiritual influence promoting, using human behavior to promote satanic strategies in our world. Okay, you guys still with me? You guys got it? Are we hanging on? Let's continue, right? So the seat you have in Christ is a seat of power and authority over the devil and his demons. So what happened? In Ephesians 2, we saw what? God raised you spiritually from the dead. You're no longer separated from him. You're alive in Christ. He seated you spiritually with Christ in the heavenly realms. And then he shows us what. Where was Christ? Where is Christ seated? He's seated far above all. Everyone say all. Come on, say it like you mean it. All. All principality and power and might and dominion. So if you're in Christ, where are you seated? Far above. All principality and power and might, and dominion. Amen? Come on, that should excite you. because We're going to see here in just a second. Not only that, right? Not only these spiritual enemies that are trying to attack us, but what else? Every name that is named. Every name that is named. Ooh, this word gets good. If it has a name, you are seated above it in heavenly places. Does coronavirus have a name? Guess where you are? Above it. doesn't mean it's not going to come knocking. But it means you better know where you are seated so you know how to address it. Because if I don't know where I'm seated, it's going to kick my butt. Every day. Every day. Does cancer have a name? Yes, you're above it. Depression, fear, anger, addiction, lust. If it can be named... Christ is seated above it, most importantly. But where did God put you? When you put your faith in him, I'm above it. Every name, that is named. Well, yeah, Pastor Dan, when we get to heaven, we're going to be, a, yeah, we're going to be perfect. There's going to be no pain. Well, let's just clear it up here, right? Not only in this age, but in the age to come. Well, someday we'll be seated there. What's he right? Not someday, Today. You're seated there. Not someday in the future. If you put your faith in Jesus, where can I be seated? In authority. In authority. Now, let's talk about why this is important, right? If you, if, if you still have questions about this, go back. A few weeks ago on our podcast, I did a message called, um, I forget what it was called, but something, Prayer with Authority or Authority in Prayer. That was probably it. Authority in Prayer. Go back, listen to that. It'll talk about how to use your authority, but here's what I want to show you today. I, want to, I want to just want to pull back the curtain and show you what the devil's doing, okay? There's this, um, on YouTube, there's this, this prank that's called the shampoo prank, right? And there's these people, they're, they're, they're in, they're like, it's like a public shower where they just got off the beach or something like that or in a locker room and they're, they're like rinsing off, but some turkey is like behind them with their shampoo bottle, like putting shampoo on their head. So they're trying to wash their hair out. But they have shampoo over their face and like their head, and so they're just like scrubbing their head. But there keeps, there's more shampoo. They can't get it washed out, right? They think they get it, and then the guy comes up behind and puts more shampoo on their head. Oh, what's going on? Like there's the shampoo's not leaving, right? It's not going anywhere. In fact, to show you what I mean, they, get so, they just get so frustrated with the shampoo. They're mad at the shampoo. Why is the shampoo or this water not washing it out? I brought a video. Let's check it out really quick. Let's check it out up here. Where did you get this shampoo? Why? It's not going away! Oh, it's a, it's a special shampoo, what else with it? It's not going! Did you go? Know? Come on, dude! Dude, it's not going! Come on, we have to go! It's not moving! Okay. Funny, right? Great prank. That guy, he got us good, right? You see him peeking around the corner, laughing it up. That's exactly what the devil does to people every single day. What's What's the guy mad about? It's not going, right? He's mad at the shampoo, then he's like mad at the water. I, I cut it off, but eventually he grabs the, the shower head. He's like shaking the shower head. What is going on? But what is he failing to see? He's not turning around, opening his eyes, and seeing what is causing this problem. He's mad at the shampoo. What kind of shampoo is this? It's his buddy. That's what we do if we're not aware of the heavenly places. Why is this happening? God, why aren't you moving? God, what, why isn't this, why aren't we seeing breakthrough in this part of our life? God, what is going on? I hate my job. I hate my boss. God, how come I'm not seeing growth like I want to? Why is my family in a mess right now? When God's saying, if you'd read my word, you'd be able to turn around Open your eyes and see who's the source of these issues. You're frustrated at the issue. You're frustrated at the problem. You're frustrated at the sickness. You're frustrated at the situation. And God says, "That's not. What the, you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're never going to get the shampoo out of your hair. you got to turn around and slap that shampoo bottle out of that guy's hand and say, stop it. Let me show you. Here's how we do that to the devil, right? Bear with me. Here we go. Ephesians 6 verse 12 for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in where the heavenly places See what I'm saying? I'm not fighting the shampoo. I got to turn around and see where's what's who's pouring shampoo on my head? Who's messing with my life right now? Where are these attacks coming from? How do we address them? Right after this, he lays out, Paul lays out the, the armor of God. And at the very end, I'm not going to go through all that today. At the very end, though, here's what he says in, in Ephesians 6:18. He says, pray in the Spirit at all times. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. What does praying in the Spirit mean? And look at this, on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers. He gives us armor to go to battle in. And one of the weapons is what? Prayer. When I pray, not from a place of defeat. Well, God, if it's your will, you'll move. No, I need to know where am I seated? And when I pray, am I praying from that position of authority, knowing that I have the victory, not in myself, but who sat me with Christ in the heavenly places? And if I know that, what? I can turn around and I can slap that shampoo bottle out of the devil's hand and say, Stop. Enough's enough. And I can move on with my life. I can wash that shampoo out of my head and move forward. And move forward. Here's the last one. Last point for today is this prayer, or without prayer, we lose heart. Without prayer, we will lose heart. Think for a second. You ever been in a situation in your life where you've prayed, you stood, you thought you were praying from a position of authority? And nothing happened? Right? You opened your eyes and still the same? You ever been in that situation? I have. Prayed for somebody, man. Praying for the for the for the sick, for the dying. And nothing happened. How easy is it to lose heart then? It can be easy but my faith is not in my circumstance. My faith is not in my life experience. Well, I prayed that one time and it didn't work, so it must not work. That's not where I put my faith. I put my faith in God's word. And guess what? I'm going to keep praying. I'm not going to lose heart. I'm going to dig deeper into his word, and I'm going to pray until I see results. Look at this parable. It's the parable of the persistent widow. Jesus tells this in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1. He says this. It says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. How do I not lose heart? Always be praying. Always be praying. Saying, there is in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow, she troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Well, she's wearing him out. Every day she's there, multiple times a day. Hey, come on, help me out. What are you doing? I need your help here. Help justify what's going on in my life. Finally, he's like, golly, she wore me out. Fine, just to get her out of here, I'll, I'll help her. Verse six, then the Lord said, Jesus said, hear what the unjust judge said. Ugh, wearing me out. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Most parables are a comparison the kingdom of heaven is like this parable. This one is not. Contrast. Jesus says, see what the unjust judge said? Oh, you're wearing me out. I guess I'll give in. He said, your heavenly father is not that way. And do not think for a second that he is. He's not burdened by you coming to him. He's not burdened by your many prayers. He is a good father who is there with his arms open saying, come on. Come talk to me about it. Bring your request to me. Let me help you. Let me move. Ask me for anything and I will do it. Is that not what a good father says? Is that not what a good father says? Ask me. Come on, what do you need? Let me help. Let me help you. Look at these verses. Without prayer, we lose heart. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. It's not my last resort. It's my first response. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. Remember when he moved on your behalf in the past. Then you will experience God's peace. What? After prayer. Not before prayer. I need peace in my life. Are you praying or are you complaining? Am I praying or just hoping God will move? Pray and the peace comes. You'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. He will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. God's good. Psalm 102, verse 17. He will listen to the prayers of the destitute. He will not reject their pleas. You're not burdening God. He's just. Good Father. He's listening. First Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. What is it that's weighing me down? What is it that I wish I could get rid of? What is it that I've been carrying for years, but I shouldn't be? Give it to him. Not like half-heartedly, like I've done this where I give it and I'm like, I just turn my back, but I'm hanging on to it. God, I wish you would take that away. Turn around, it's still there. My hand's on it. Lay it at his feet. Lay it at his feet. Hebrews 4, 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, We will find grace to help us when we need it most. Where? Not in some self-help book that some man wrote. Can I say that? (laughs) Not in some self-help book that some man wrote. I'm not dogging books. But can I just tell you, you want to find freedom? Do you need healing? Do you need wisdom? This is the book of life. This is the book of freedom. Where do I need to go? I need to go to this, and I need to pray this. Yeah, I prayed for people, and it didn't turn out like I wanted it to turn out. But where did I run? Not to somebody else. I take my lesson from Jesus. I got good news. I got bad news. I'm going to go get alone with my Heavenly Father and pray. Why? Because if I don't, I'm going to lose heart, and I'm going to have no motivation to keep going on. And depression and fear, and the devil will come, and he'll kick my butt every single day. And he'll be in the heavenly realms, pouring that shampoo on my head, and what am I doing? What's going on, God? When God said, I equipped you. Here's the, the, I equipped you. I seated you with my son. Go get him go kick the devil's butt. Don't let him t- don't let him mess with you like that. Go get him. Prayer is not a last resort. It is our, f- it is our first line of dis- defense. It's my first response. Here's the reflection questions for today. This is what I want us to talk about in our community groups. And this is just for us to be transparent, to be honest about. Is prayer my first response? Do a reflection. Really? Has it been? Is it now? Is prayer my first response? How often am I getting alone to pray? Just me and God. Do I have any time for that in my schedule? I mean alone, not just driving in your car, alone to pray. Am I praying from a position of authority or a position of defeat? Am I praying focused on the shampoo? Or am I praying turning around saying, stop pouring that shampoo on my head? very different, very different. Here's the action step. Just start, start praying. Number one, spend time alone in prayer every day. Get alone, get quiet, put your phone away, turn off everything, just get quiet and pray. Talk to God, read his word. Second one is this, intentionally pray throughout your day. 10 minutes a day in this, 10 minutes praying is not enough to keep your mind renewed all day long. Can I say that again? Ten minutes in the verse of the day or my little devotional is not enough. What does God's word say? Dwell on it. Think on it. What? Hide it in your heart. I got to know it in here in order for it to renew up here. Throughout my day, I'm talking with God. I'm praying with God. I'm renewing my mind. So when fear Doubt, sickness come what? I recognize that those aren't God's thoughts. I take every thought captive and I make it obey Christ. The power of prayer. Why do we pray? Hopefully you see a little bit of the big picture today. The biggest one I want you to see is you have a position of authority in prayer. You are seated in the heavenly places. Would you bow your heads and close your your eyes? Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness to us, that you've seen us and you've positioned us for victory. We fight from victory. We don't fight for it. Jesus, you've already paid the way for us to experience it. And God, today, now that we see it and as we see it more, as we get into your word, Lord, we learn to walk in it. Help us, Holy Spirit, learn to walk in power and in authority over anything that comes against us. In Jesus' name. Would you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second? If you're in here... And you'd say, Pastor Dan, I want everything we talked about today. You want that authority. But maybe you don't have a real relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're in here and you'd say, Pastor Dan, at one time I I was walking with Jesus and we were close, but I, I haven't been serious. I've been living in sin. I've been doing my own thing. I haven't been walking with him. Or maybe you're in here and you'd say, Pastor Dan, I've never done that. I don't even know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, but you want to do it for the first time can I pray with you today? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to, would you just raise your hand really quick? Just high enough for me to see it. You can put it right back down. If that's you today, either one of those. Man, I need to make things right. Or man, I need to do it for the first time. Awesome. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say a prayer up here on stage. I want everyone in this room, say this prayer after me. This is a prayer that we don't say just religiously. We say it with belief in our heart, knowing that when we say this, God makes us brand new. He welcomes us into His family. Would you say this prayer after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you sent your Son Jesus to come to this earth and die on a cross for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. I believe he's alive today. Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins be the Lord of my life, be the savior of my life, be the king of my heart. Right now, I am saved. I am a child of God. I am positioned in heavenly places. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, Or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.